listening to the Jay's Journal Podcast for Monday, August the 14th. I'm your host as always, Ari Shapiro, and on the show tonight, we're going to open with a fantastic interview I had this afternoon with Ben Nicholson-Smith of Sportsnet, before turning to a lively roundtable talking about the Blue Jays. Joining me on the roundtable will be Ian Hunter of the Sporting News, Colin Teske of the Fan 590, and writer with the Jays Journal, our very own Brendan Panikar, on what will be a fantastic close look at what the Blue Jays have been doing recently. And truth be told, they've been doing a lot of great things. And you've got a lot of reasons to pay attention to this team, even though it looks bleak, with them having seven teams ahead of them in the standings when it comes to that second wildcard spot. That's the bad news. Now let me give you the good news. Virtually every single team ahead of them They're the kind of teams ahead of them in the standings which present a tremendous opportunity to capitalize on a winning streak. Now, hear me out. I know a lot of you are being extremely realistic. Their POF, or playoff chances, as we like to say in the business, is abysmal, vacillating between 3 to 5%. And going into this game with 45 games left and four games behind the Kansas City Royals slash... L.A. Angels slash New York Yankees. It's it's a revolving door of of teams. The Blue Jays find themselves in a position where if they can cut the margin to two by September, there's no question in my mind that they will leave us with the kind of month of baseball worth tuning in and therefore seeing whether or not a team that has woefully underachieved virtually every month of this season and still has yet to even smell what 500 is like, will they be able to show the fans that when it comes to competing, that their best players will be their best players and that they won't let injuries or underachievement or player regression be an excuse in what's been an unbearably long season. So as promised, joining me now is sportscaster, writer, and podcaster with Rogers Sportsnet, Ben Nicholson-Smith. Ben, always a pleasure having you on my show. Ari, it's good to be on with you again. How's it going today? Listen, I can't complain because the Blue Jays are starting to resemble something that seems to be like a figment of a lot of people's imagination which is a competitive team. We've seen so much inconsistency this year, Ben. I want to start with your impressions of this homestand and what they were able to accomplish against the Yankees and the Pirates. And quite frankly, if in your opinion, that is something which should really make fans pause and maybe think twice that the season isn't completely on life support. What's your opinion on that? Well, I wouldn't disagree with the idea that they're a competitive team. And I think that when... They're getting some decent starting pitching, like we've seen from Jay Happ and more recently Marco Estrada rebounding, Chris Rowley making a nice spot start for them. They are a team that can compete. They're not a bad team. They're a team that has dug a hole for themselves in the standings. And so that's where I reached the conclusion that they're not a playoff team. They're not in the playoff hunt. I think that when you look at their playoff odds, it's basically in the same territory as the Miami Marlins. And mm-hmm. I don't see I don't see a lot of people talking about the Marlins playoff chances. So just from an objective sense, I don't think that they have a good shot. But I don't think that means that everything is done with this team. I think that when you look ahead to next year, they have a very good shot to be a competitive team again. Well, and I'm curious about that because maybe this is part of the challenge of belonging to a media company and also having the best attendance in the American League and being in the fourth largest market in North America. Do you think that, as you alluded to, 
we have a bit of a rose-colored glasses syndrome where we look at statistics and standings and say to ourselves, hey, as long as there's a chance in this game, anything can happen. How much credence do we give that notion of it ain't over until all 162 games have been played? And, and, and I think that's the right way to look at it. And I think that if you're, if you're a fan of this team and you want to hold on to hope, then go for it. That's, that's great. That's what being a fan is all about. I, I think that if you look at their, their playoff odds more objectively and you take a bit, a bit more of a, a broad look around baseball and the other teams that are competing, which is, which is what I try to do, then you realize that objectively they're not in a good position to make the playoffs. But I totally understand the position of someone who's a Blue Jays fan and who's maybe got some tickets to a game coming up. They want to cheer for their team. They want to, they want to see the unlikely happen. And just because it's unlikely doesn't mean it's impossible. So I definitely understand the perspective of the Jays fan who wants to see this team pull off something special down the stretch. Now, you mentioned the organization understanding that competitiveness is key. What does that mean for 2018, knowing that it's such a crucial year, as, it, as you and I have discussed in the past, Ben? 2018 is one of those unpredictable moments where a, an organization finds itself transitioning because you and I both know that 2019 and beyond will spell opportunities for young talent. But this 2018 season, looking at the pieces that this team has, does this, in your opinion, give the fans the message that maybe the organization might invest, spend money knowing that payroll will be freed up and look at maybe the free agent market as an opportunity to be competitive in 2018? Yeah, I think they'll definitely look at free agency. They'll look at trades. Um, they're they're going to try to find ways to address the holes on this team. And those holes are numerous. I mean, you look around and you have the outfield. Uh, they're going to need to find a way to address right field, uh, where Jose Batista is about to hit free agency. Uh, left field is a question as well, defensively, if not offensively. Um, and I think you have to find a way to bolster your middle infield depth and that's before we even get to pitching, which is going to be a huge need for this team. We've seen how some of the pitchers they've called up for both the bullpen and the rotation have had trouble even providing the Blue Jays with adequate innings, and that's going to be something they have to address if they want to be a better team from start to finish in 2018. So they have a long list of, of needs heading into this offseason, and I think that when they start looking at ways to address those needs, Free agency is going to be on that list. Trades are going to be on that list. Rule 5 draft, waiver claims. They're going to look at everything because they're not in a position where they can afford to cut off any one of those avenues for improving the team. I'm speaking with Ben Nicholson-Smith of Rogers Sportsnet. You can find him on Twitter, at B. Nicholson-Smith, good friend of the show. Ben, let's look to this Tampa Bay series now, beginning this evening, one that could quite frankly, either end this whole notion of um, fairy tale future of competitive wildcard opportunity, or it could, quite frankly, stoke the flames and get people even more excited about the idea of them coming back and making this season competitive. What's your take on this Tampa Bay series, knowing that although Estrada and Stroman have been pitching brilliantly, we don't know what to expect from either Tepish or Crowley? Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's one of the interesting things in this series is you have Tepish and Rally, and with Joe Biagini making his way back to the rotation uh, gradually, uh, I think there's probably room for one of Tepish and Rally in that rotation going forward. So what the Blue Jays have described as almost a tryout is going to continue here, where at this point I would say that Rally is a clear leg up on Tepish uh, for 
uh, continued opportunity to start, but these things can change quickly. So it'll be interesting to see how those guys do. And like you said, with Marco Estrada, he's really found a way to rebound. And, you know, around this time of year, there's so much talk about trades, um, even after that non-waiver trade deadline. And if I'm a contending team and I'm looking around the league for ways to improve my rotation, then Marco Estrada is definitely one of the starters that I would be taking a pretty close look at. And that's especially interesting knowing that visualizing a 2018 rotation featuring Marco Estrada, Jay Happ, Marcus Stroman, and Aaron Sanchez, I mean, that's pretty good. And that isn't very much different from what our expectations were coming into this season with Francisco Liriano as a potential fifth candidate. You and I both know the fifth starter is usually some kind of wild card in most Major League Baseball rotations. Shouldn't fans be emboldened and excited about the notion of those four being healthy and competing next year as well? Yeah, I think when you look at Stroman, what he has shown this year is that he can pitch at the front of a Major League rotation. That's something that we hadn't seen from him before. Uh, at least for an extended stretch. We hadn't seen him put it together quite in this way. So if you're a Blue Jays fan or a Blue Jays decision maker, that's got to be a hugely encouraging part of this season. Now, Aaron Sanchez has gone in the other direction, where we know he can do it. We know he can pitch at the top of a major league rotation. But the ongoing blister issues that he's dealing with have to create some uncertainty heading into the 2018 season. So... There's a little bit of a give-and-take there with Stroman and Sanchez. Half Estrada, I think that these guys are solid pitchers. Uh, Half has, has continued to show how good he can be uh, against quality major league lineups. And Estrada, if he were to resign, would be a nice piece if they can get him on a short-term deal. I don't think you need to commit too, too much in terms of years uh, when it comes to a pitcher whose ERA has hovered around five for most of the last few months. So I, I think that they have the makings of a good rotation, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be lulled into a false sense of security. Mm-hmm. I think that this team does need to go out and add more volume of major league caliber pitching, so you're not reaching down to the Cesar Valdez level too often in the 2018 season. And I mean, those are inspirational stories, aren't they, Ben? Whether it was Valdez and the story involving his father, or whether it was Crowley being a former West Point graduate, military man turned you know, baseball success or potential story. Does this organization have a weakness or an affinity for that, given that they are a media company? I don't think so. I I think that these stories get played up, um, Mm. but they only have so much of a shelf life um, if the player doesn't perform. Ultimately, what, what sells the Toronto Blue Jays is whether they win games or not. It's not how nice the guys are, what kind of backstories they have. Because I, I think, you, you know, you and I both both know this as, as people in the media who like learning about players and learning about mm-hmm. their stories. But if you dig deep, deep enough, then everyone's got an interesting backstory. And I really believe that uh, to be true of, of Major League players or, or really people in any walk of life. If, if you look closely enough, there are going to be interesting stories there. So the bottom line for the Blue Jays is they have got to win games. And the pitching staff that they've had, the offense that they've had, those just haven't been good enough so far this year. The last time you were on the Jays Journal podcast, you and I had some fantastic back-and-forth discussion about Josh Donaldson. We were intrigued about what it would mean for the future, whether he would be a potential trade asset, what the consequences were. We probably could have had a podcast of just you and I talking about that for three hours, given what fans feel or how they feel about Josh Donaldson. I want to get your thoughts on his recent play 
and how it seems like he's almost single-handedly possessed to get this team back in the race. He has been very impressive offensively, and it's one of those things that you don't ever get used to, even after seeing Donaldson for a couple of seasons. Uh, It's not something you take for granted, especially after uh, seeing him play through some injuries for the early part of the season and play below his offensive potential. To see him come back and play at this level is a reminder of how good this guy is. He's a great baseball player. And even in a league where he's surrounded by all kinds of talented players, Donaldson finds a way to stand out offensively. I even think defensively the last few weeks, he has been showing some great athleticism and awareness over at third base. So it's, it's impressive, you know, to watch every day the way that we do and see him make the plays that he makes. It's impressive on a day-to-day level. And then, as, as, you're, as you're saying here, this is a big-picture piece for the Blue Jays. So for Donaldson to be playing well, it's also a reassuring sign for them just because of how important he is to their medium-term success. If you had your druthers, Ben, knowing that the window of certain players and the status of their contracts is essentially going to come to a head in 2021, would you sign Josh Donaldson up until that time to finish his career as a Blue Jay and have faith that even at the age of 33 or 34, you would never be able to find the player of his caliber that money can buy on a free agent market? So what you're talking about, so only... If I'm in this situation, are we talking about only through 2021? Well, or, or are we talking about a longer deal? My concern is why Josh Donaldson would ever want to resign with this organization, knowing his value and, and knowing what the 2018 free agent market will bring. Uh, a lot of fans have come up to me and, and they've been concerned about that. They keep making the argument, well, why would he sign with the Toronto Blue Jays when clearly in order to retain him, it would have to be long-term and it would have to be the kind of money that's fair market value. If Josh Donaldson came to you as the GM and presented an opportunity to take a four- or five-year deal, which would essentially be his last contract in baseball, assuming he wants to play beyond the age of 38, would you give him fair market value money to keep him on this team, knowing that that's what you're going to get at third base? If if Donaldson was willing to take a four-year deal starting in 2018, I see no problem with that. I think mm. he's an elite elite player, and paying an elite player through his early 30s, heading up to age 35, is fine. I think... More likely, though, it would be really hard to sign him for only a four-year deal uh, this offseason. I think he would be positioned to ask for more, and that's where it gets uncomfortable. If he's looking for six years, he's looking for seven years, as he should, then it's hard to make the case that you should pay a player top dollar when that contract is going to lead into his decline. No doubt. No no question about that. Again, it comes down to pulling on the fans' heartstrings. He's been such an indelible player in such a very short span of time. It'll be interesting to see how the organization negotiates with him. Speaking with Ben Nicholson-Smith of Sportsnet, Ben, can you give my listeners an update on Devin Travis, knowing that there's been recent news of his astounding progress? You want to talk about someone who's on a mission. Devin Travis is ready to do everything in his power, it seems, to get back to playing this season. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Devin Travis has made a lot of progress. And a lot of days, if you're at the ballpark around 3 p.m., right about an hour before teams will start taking batting practice, Travis will be out there with a couple of Blue Jays coaches taking ground balls and moving around the infield, testing his agility, testing that surgically repaired knee of his. And the progress that he's made in the last few weeks is noticeable even to 
an untrained observer like myself, it, it's just pretty clear. I mean, initially he was stationary at second base. He wasn't moving side to side. In the weeks that have followed, he's been able to really move a lot more easily from side to side, and that's a really good sign for the Jays because they need him to be able to play defense. They need him to be able to run. He's gradually moving through these different challenges, and so far so good. So it's tough to to pin timelines on these things, and the Blue Jays certainly aren't going to put any public dates on it. But I think we're going to see him back in a Blue Jays uniform this year, and that's not something that I would have said when he initially hit the disabled list in June. I really wasn't sure what to expect, and now Mm -hmm. I think it is realistic to think that he will be back this year. And hopefully a, a key a key piece in the 2018 team, because certainly his health will change the complexion of what the team's able to do in terms of going after some of that depth that you alluded to and whether they need to do that. Um, I'm looking here at the standings, Ben, and we talked about the importance of realistic thinking and understanding why it's so challenging to get back into a wild card race. But isn't there a part of you like me that looks at some of these teams between the Blue Jays and that last wild card spot. We're talking about Texas, Baltimore, Seattle, uh, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, Minnesota. These are all teams that I think you'll agree have been horribly inconsistent all year. And so is there something to be said for the argument that if the Blue Jays do reel off a winning streak or say take seven of their next nine, that they could conceivably make progress at the expense of some really bad baseball clubs? They could. And if they win seven of their next nine, then the conversation surrounding this team will change for sure. I think at that point they would be more comfortably in the playoff picture. I I just don't think they're there right now. Um, It's not to say that a good 10 days can't change that. In baseball, a good 10 days or a bad 10 days can change things pretty dramatically for for most teams, this side of the White Sox, this side of the Padres. Uh, For most teams, you know, 10 days is going to impact where you are in the standings. And I think that the Blue Jays do fall into that. But again, this is a team that's now starting Chris Rowley, uh, it's now starting Nick Tepesh, and to and they're about to head to Wrigley Field to play one of the better teams in the National League. 2017 struggles aside, the Cubs are a very good baseball team. So yeah. to expect them to win seven of nine is a lot. And so and of course, like this is why we watch the games. I, I'm going to be I'm going to be following closely as as you know everyone listening to this podcast would be too. You know, all, obviously uh, a lot of really knowledgeable. Blue Jays fans, and they see the product on the field, they know what's happening, and yet there is some amount of chance, and that's why we watch the games. But I think, objectively, it's not that likely that they're going to they're gonna make the playoffs this year. I just, I just don't think it is. You're absolutely right uh, when it comes to considering some of the names that have been featured in the lineup. And even though they've had success, I guess you can only accept that names like Ref Snyder and Carrera um, Lopez and, and, and others are really the key to sustained success, meaning that it, I guess it doesn't surprise you when they overachieve during spurts of time, but to expect them to beat the Chicago Cubs or the Boston Red Sox or the New York Yankees consistently isn't very realistic. And, and like you said, it can happen for stretches, but the Blue Jays aren't in a position where they can go through cold streaks and hot streaks. They have to go on a sustained hot streak from here to the end of the season if they're going to even reach 500, which is the baseline for uh, being a contending team. To reach 500, they would have to go on a really good streak, and they would have to do that without their starting catcher, with two-fifths of a starting rotation that's completely unproven, uh, you know, with, with an offense that just hasn't performed all season long, and with a defense that is disappointed. So I just look at those different elements, and I don't see this team as a, as a club that's drastically underperformed its record. I mean, I think that 
based on the way they played, they're where they should be in the standings. I, I, I just I, and and again, it's it's not to say that they're a, such a bad team. They're not a bad team. They're they're just a team that that struggled, that dealt with a lot of injuries, and here we are. They're they're a middling team, and they've played that way for most of the season, even since their really rough start in April. Ben, tell my listeners about uh, about your podcast and any projects that you're currently working on. For sure, it's a podcast called At the Letters. It's uh, available on iTunes. It's available on Sportsnet.ca. Um, it's for articles. I mean, I, it's probably probably similar to. Um, I'm sure it's something you can relate to, but I've mm-hmm. I've always got a few things kind of juggling and in the works, right? And then um, and then ultimately something something comes to fruition and you're able to put it together. Um, but I would just direct people to sportsnet.ca or I'll, I'll tweet things out if I ever have uh, an article to share uh, with people. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely if people are interested in checking that out, then that's the place to, to find my work. His name is Ben Nicholson-Smith. He is the foremost baseball authority at sportsnet.ca, the baseball editor. He's a podcaster, a writer, a phenomenal sportscaster. Ben, always a pleasure to have you on the show, and hopefully I can find some time in your upcoming schedule to get you on one of my roundtables. It's my pleasure. All right, thanks for thanks for the invitation. It's always good to talk with you. So now I'm here with a roundtable for this evening. We've got the Sporting News' Ian Hunter, the Fan 590's Colin Teske, and the Jays Journal-owned Brendan Panikart. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me this evening. I'm going to start with you, Ian, on our roundtable tonight. We've been listening and hearing and reading a lot about Rogers and their official releases over the last few days, press releases, talking about how the Blue Jays are intent on doing what they can to salvage the season. Now, we're all realists and purists of the game here. Ian, why don't you start us off? Give me your opinion on whether or not entertaining any hopes of the postseason here is uh, truly a figment of our imagination, or is it possible if this team can get its act together and reel off some kind of winning streak? Well, I mean, me personally, I had pretty much I, – I don't think I looked at the standings for like the last two weeks because I just assumed that the Jays were out of it. But uh, lo and behold, the American League wild card has just been a dog's breakfast most of the season. And now, mm-hmm. you know, the Jays find themselves somehow only four games out of a playoff spot, which is uh, remarkable to me. Now, I mean, of course, it's, it's going to be fun that, you know, yes, that you're, you're telling me there's a chance. Like, they, there is a small percentage that they, they still could make the postseason, I think. The most difficult part is they have so many teams um, ahead of them that they need to leap in front of. I think it's one, the seven teams in, ahead of them. So yeah. that's going to be the difficult part. But the frustrating part to me is if you're a fan, it's because the AL wildcard leaders are only, you know, two, game, two, three games above 500. And if the Jays just strung together a modest, you know, six or seven game win streak, that would likely propel them into a playoff spot. So it's um, it's weird. It's kind of like the Yankees of last year. Like I found that they were sellers at the deadline, but they were also kind of still selling hope because there was still a small fragment of a chance that they could make the postseason. I think the Jays are kind of doing a similar thing this year. Um, but, you know, at the very least, it, with, they can sell it as, you know, we've still – there is a possibility, and maybe five percent, may only be six percent, but it's better than zero. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I think I 
100% agree with what Ian said there. I mean, uh, remember the series last year where the Yankees came to Toronto near the middle to end of September. The Yankees were still yeah. very much in the uh, in the playoff race for that one of those wild card spots with the Jays. And luckily, I believe the Jays swept in that series to really put the Yankees out of it. I don't see why the Blue Jays can't be within three to four games going into late September, which you know still will make for people. Uh, watching scoreboard every single night and, and still holding out the faintest kind of hope. Uh, it'll be a little stronger than it was in 2014. I remember in 2014 when they played the Cubs, uh, when the Cubs were here, the Jays were like four or five back of the wild card, and that was like the closest they've been uh, to the playoffs since 92-93. Yeah, uh, right. uh, I think they could be a little closer this time, but you know what? In the end, I still think, A, what, uh, what Ian said, the amount of teams they got to leap over, but then the the brutal start in April is ultimately what's going to uh, uh, not have them uh, ending up being able to make the postseason. Shave half of those losses and turn them into wins, and, and they're right there. Or if Estrada wasn't so ineffective for two months and if Sanchez was healthy, they could be there. But just too much to overcome, too many teams to leap. Yeah, I tend to agree with both of you. But I think if you're, if you're Rodgers right now, you have to be loving this, knowing that you know, this team's had everything go against them this year in terms of injuries, in terms of a lot of guys hitting below their career averages. Yet you're only four games out. If you do start to clean up against teams in your division and ahead of you in the race, they still have what could be a pretty memorable September, and they're right in the thick of things, giving their fans that little bit of hope heading into next year. But you guys have touched on it. I think if you're the optimist, you see that they're four games out. But I think if you're a pessimist or a realist, you notice that in two weeks they're still right where they were and there still are so many teams ahead of them that they have to leapfrog. And I think that's going to be just too much for them to handle with only, what, 40 or so games left in the regular season. Well, I guess the one good thing is that they're, the Jays are facing a lot of teams that they are trying to leapfrog in the standings, like you know Tampa Bay, for, for example. If the Jays can, can make hay against them, they can – really gain some ground on them, and they're also on the road in Tampa Bay next week. They're facing the Twins soon, and then the Orioles at the end of the month, and that's mostly interdivisional games in the month of September. So, I mean, I, I feel like this is a, a, like a six-week span where we can really discover what these 2017 Toronto Blue Jays are all about. I mean, if they do what they did in the first half of the season, which was be incredibly inconsistent. They're going to be a last-place team, but if they play up to the talent that they have on this roster, then, you know, maybe they make this thing interesting. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think if they take three out of four against Tampa this week, that's ultimately what they pretty much have to do. I believe they'd be tied with Tampa if they take three out of four uh, at the end of this week. So if they do that, then, hey, anything, anything's possible. and it, It'll be make for an exciting finish for sure. And I'm wondering, Brendan, how can we hope, as you've all alluded to, for a run or a stretch where this team can put it together and put together maybe six or seven wins when they've shown they haven't been able to do that all year? What What's a media company supposed to do other than reassure the fans that they'll do everything they can to try to finish as strongly as possible. Is that is that a detriment to the Blue Jays, the fact that it is Rogers, that it is a media company that doesn't want to paint the season as being over? No, I don't think so. I mean, players obviously want to win. They haven't given up yeah. on the season. I think we all know how competitive they are, and they've referred to it all year when everybody was 
panicking at the beginning of the year. He's like, you know what? There's no need to worry. We're a veteran group. We've been in this spot before. Basking for walls, yada, yada, yada. All the stuff the uh, casual fans, bandwagon fans, didn't want to hear. But all of us at this roundtable knew that, that that's right. And, and I think we know, based especially on last year in September, when they didn't panic, when things got really, really bad and things got scary that they might miss it, anything's possible. And they're a veteran group. They know what to do. Uh, and I think we've seen... Uh, they've been playing better over the past uh, few weeks, and it's no coincidence that that's been when Josh Donaldson has been at his most effective and his, and his best this year. And now that Marco Estrada has provided some stability to the rotation his past three times out, they've been better. And if they continue to get that, they'll continue to hover around here. It's just how the uh, the re- uh, the replacement guys for some of the injured starters will uh, will fulfill their roles. Kind of like if they if they get what they got in May from all their uh, injury replacements. They they could go on a surprise run and shock everybody. To me, one of the interesting things I'm uh, I'm looking at is you know most teams that have a, a really strong farm system is later on in the season you're really looking forward to that one top elite prospect to get called up and kind of hit the ground running and you know you see that in Boston and New York and I think if you're a Jays fan you're kind of envious at at, at the farm system of those teams and, and the position players they've been able to produce. And, you know, in Toronto, really, there hasn't been that. If anything, you know, it's someone like an Anthony Alford who got hurt, and maybe he comes back. But uh, in the case of the Blue Jays, they've had to call up guys because they simply need them because everyone's been injured, right? So um, normally in September, I'm looking forward to September call-ups and, you know, someone like in the past, like a Travis Snyder or, Kyle Drayback, you're looking forward to seeing them. But I, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to have that same uh, excitement this year. But hopefully uh, it'll be replaced with uh, playoff excitement, potentially. And, I mean, if we look back at the end of last year and, and sum up what was an, a very uneven campaign, the team throughout the course of 2016 didn't exactly impress anyone. And if not for some last-minute heroics by Edwin Encarnacion. There's a chance we could be talking about what a colossal disappointment last year was. There's something to be said, Colin, uh, isn't there, for for September baseball. And if this team can just keep it within a few games, within a stone's throw, or at least the illusion of a stone's throw, because we know that seven teams that need to be overcome, do you think that this sets up a really great narrative for redemption for the 2017 season, given that April and June in particular were just black holes in the regular season? I think it really does, and I, I think if you're Rogers right now and you're watching things, I mean, you have got the perfect cop-out. You can always look at your team's injuries. You could always say, look, we had a Cy Young candidate, Aaron Sanchez, go down. We had our MVP and Josh Donaldson miss much of the year. Now there's no Tubawitzki or Martin yet. If they can get within two games of the final wildcard spot in the American League in September – Anything can happen. I think the magic number they have to shrink it down to is two games. But we've seen some crazy month of September before. Look at the Milwaukee Brewers from a few years ago. They looked unstoppable through three quarters of the season. Then Mm -hmm. they bottomed out and missed the playoffs. Or you have a team in that same division, the St. Louis Cardinals, who just eked in as a wild card team. They had David Freeze on that club, and they won a World Series. So it can happen, but... The way I look at this team is this really could be the last hurrah for this group. They've talked about how they want to keep this core together. They don't want to trade off pieces. 
and they have what it takes to win, yet in every game where they've come close to getting to 500 or it's been an important game they need to win, they haven't delivered. So that leaves me believing that they're just going to fall short, but I think you're in a win-win right now if you're the Jays' management, if you're Shapiro and Atkins, because the fans are still showing up. There was 45,000 people there on the weekend, and if you can get to within two games, you can start really beating the drum that this team could make a run and still squeak into the playoffs and maybe go on another run. And, Brendan, should we be spurned on as fans by the fact that in a few short months, hockey will be back. And once again, this, sea, this entire city will be captivated by the now renaissance of the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is a completely um, extraordinary tale of, of luck, timing, and circumstance. The Blue Jays, on the other hand, don't need to rely on that, do they? Because if they do recognize this core, would you then equate the fact that they raise ticket prices by 17% as an indication that this organization is not going to allow itself to use excuses next year, but might in fact actually invest in making this team better through free agency or through making a trade. Well, I hope so. And it's entirely possible. I saw the article. I forget. I think it was Arden Zwelling. It was either Arden Zwelling or Ben Nicholson Smith posted Mm -hmm. today about with the Russell Martin injury that they're going to be needing to look for a more stable catcher and, and find some creative ways to add to the core while still being able to pay Troy Tulowitzki and Russell Martin and have them play maybe a little more reduced roles than they have. Um, If they are able to use some of the money with the ticket price increases and absorb some of their salary, but also like kind of add at the same time, I think it will be fine. Uh, And it will be interesting to see what they do this off season, knowing that they still have to pay Russell Martin and Tulo a whole lot of money and how they can, try to keep them as effective for as long as possible uh, with some a legit backup catcher. And I think one thing that they do have to do this offseason, and it, in my mind, and I was thinking about it today, one of the top things they should be going after this offseason is a legitimate backup catcher to take some of the load off of Russell Martin. And I think we also know that they need a legit middle infielder who could step in for an extended period of time and be productive if Tulo does go down again with an injury now that he's getting older. And uh, just going into the back to the, the ticket increase a little bit, I think, you know, uh, fans didn't really usually, I mean, they hear ticket price increase and red flags suddenly and sirens go off. But I think the reason why, why it may be a little more palatable is because the Blue Jays are – uh, trying to brand the 2018 team as a competitive team. They're not selling this as a teardown. And if anything, anything I've ever heard Ross Atkins or Mark Shapiro say is that they aren't trying to tear it down and, and pull a Houston Astros or Chicago Cubs of a few years back. They're still, they realize that 2018 is probably the very end of, of this window. And it's, it, you can't really increase prices and then tell fans, oh, by the way, we're tearing this thing down because the optics of that would just be horrible. So yeah. it sounds like they'll still try to have like a top 10 payroll next year, um, which in the fan, in the minds of a fan, I think that that makes the, the ticket increase a little more palatable. So as I mentioned earlier on the show, in speaking with Ben Nicholson-Smith, he was particularly adamant in his belief that Josh Donaldson, Josh Donaldson should be part of this gradual process of 
cultural transition of welcoming in younger league prospects, but competing with the core of this team. Ian, how much credence do you give to the notion that this team will try to give Josh Donaldson a long-term deal and maybe even have him finish his, finish his career as Blue Jay? Yeah, I mean, that's, that is really probably the most important question the Blue Jays need to answer this offseason, whether they're going to shop him, whether they're going to extend him, or just let him walk as a free agent next year. And it kind of, it's kind of a, an overarching philosophy about the Blue Jays, whether they extend a player in his early 30s to, you know, something like a four- or five-year contract, maybe it's $25, 30000000 million annually, which to me, it, it, that doesn't sound like the type of deal that Shapiro and Atkins would want to sign. But then on the same token, I mean, when, when in your lifetime are you ever going to come across a player like Josh Donaldson? Mm-hmm. And the really, the Blue Jays kind of, uh, they made a one-in-a-million trade. And unless you have a player of that caliber in the minors who could step in and, and provide you maybe not similar level production, but, you know, maybe three-quarters of that, I, I honestly think you'd probably need to hang on to Dalton. And it's going to mean you're going to have to overpay him. Uh, the back end those last few years are probably going to be a little rough. And if you want a preview of it, maybe you look at what's happening with Troy Tulowitzki right now. But ultimately, I, I think you've probably got to pay that price just to keep the window of contention extended into 20 or 2019 and beyond, I think. The Blue Jays probably really, they really need to strongly reconsider re-signing him. I think the decision that they're going to make with Donaldson will ultimately determine what the front office views of the core going forward, and that's beyond 2018. Because I've said on before when I've come on with you, Ari, and when we've had people on roundtables, they still have, in my, in my mind, the core going forward is the three pitchers in Asuna, Sanchez, and Stroman that they have until the end of 2021, I believe the year is. And if they extend Donaldson, that means that they're only adding to that core going forward, and they believe in that core being able to win and build around those guys while still having Tulewitzki and Russell Martin. And it also, you know, it provides them some flexibility of what they end up doing with Vladdy Jr., because there's some possibility that Vladdy doesn't end up as a third baseman because of his build. And then you still have Josh Donaldson being able to fill in there. You'll have Bo Bichette come up, and you have a bunch of other options of where you could put Vlad, whether it's a first or in the outfield like they're all talking about, but and I think if they decide to either trade Josh Donaldson this offseason or look and not even consider re-signing him, which I hope they do obviously consider it and make a legitimate uh, run at it, but uh, if, they, if they don't end up extending him or keeping him around, I think it really tells you what they feel of the core of the team going forward beyond 2018, and that's in 2019 and 2020. Yeah, I think you both raised some really good points when it comes to Josh Donaldson. But one thing I think the Jays are really going to look at is that Josh Donaldson is an extremely marketable player for this team. Fans have really rallied around his bringer of rain, Twitter handle, and his personality, his exuberance. And he's a guy that's really hard to find. It's really hard to get quality players like that to come up to Toronto. And a guy like Roberto Alomar rings a bell. Once he left, the Jays had a lot of trouble filling that hole and having a personality like that to come in that fans could really rally around. And at third base, you can sometimes get more longevity out of that position out of any other position. 
in Major League Baseball. So I think that's why Donaldson might stick around, and that'll be really telling to see what management does with him. But the real key for me, and you guys mentioned it, is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Is he going to be an everyday third baseman? Is he still too young to crack the major league level? If he's ready in a couple of years, then that's where I think that position and Josh Donaldson's future get really, really interesting. I think a lot of fans wish they might ha- might be able to go into a time machine and fast forward themselves to 2019 just to see exactly what they end up with. Because we all know that elite prospects are elite for a reason, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be able to translate their abilities into successful results right away. It takes time. We've seen that with former Blue Jays in the past who came up a little bit too quickly and went on to have brilliant careers, but, but had to be seasoned. And so I'm wondering, Colin, would you consider a pitching staff with Marcus Stroman, Aaron Sanchez, Marco Estrada, and Jay Happ that you feel can keep them competitive in 2018 after everything you've seen that's happened this year? My answer is going to be yes, because coming into this year, we were talking about how this would be the best rotation in baseball, had all the makings to be that. Now, Sanchez got hurt. Jay Happ has battled injuries, but... If you get a healthy Aaron Sanchez and you get a healthy Marcus Stroman pitching in the same year, I would be really interested to see where this team would be. Because right now what we're seeing from Marcus Stroman and what we saw last year from Aaron Sanchez, if you can get both of them healthy and pitching this way next year, you might be looking again at the best rotation in baseball. Jay Happ is looking like a much different pitcher right now. And Marco Estrada is the interesting one. I think if Marco Estrada knows that he's going to be in Toronto for a bit longer and has that little bit of little bit of certainty there, I think you're going to see his confidence rise, and I still think he's a good gamble. So I would bring back those four guys, try to find a flexible fifth starter, and I still think rotation-wise this team is going to be fun. So, gentlemen, on that note, and I appreciate everyone's time this evening on the roundtable, let's go around the table now, starting with Brendan, then Ian, and Colin. Um, tell my listeners how they can find you on social media and what you've been working on, what they can look forward to. Absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Panacar37. That's two Ks, not two Ns. That's a common <laughs> misspelling of my last name. Uh, and 37 based off of Scott Downs, one of my favorite Blue Jays of all time. I know a little bit of a weird all-time favorite, but I, I loved him. Um, I wrote a piece recently on the only scenario where I believe we can see Jose Bautista return next year, not necessarily advocating for him to come back, but just my personal thoughts on the only situation in which we will see him back next year. Uh, And probably something I'm going to write tomorrow, kind of stemming from the article that came out today on Sportsnet that I referred to earlier, uh, why uh, a backup, a legitimate backup catcher um, is probably, in my mind, the number one thing that they need to accomplish this offseason. I mean, I think we've seen with Houston and Evan Gaddis and Brian McCann uh, and some other examples around the MLB where having a legitimate number two catcher is now becoming a, a trend, especially for teams that are contending. And, uh, well, okay, so I'm uh, currently working in lieu or uh, in honor of the uh, wildness in the AL wildcard right now. I'm uh, working on something for the sporting news, just kind of going over the uh, historical oddities about the American League wildcard race and just, you know, how far back have teams come, how many teams have been in it this late in the season. And uh, funnily enough, it's look at, at this pace, um, the, one of the second AL wildcard teams is probably, you know, they could just barely be over 500, which has never happened in the AL wildcard era. So 
uh, working on that for uh, Sporting News MLB. And in the meantime, still uh, posting on my blog at uh, Blue Jay Hunter. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Blue Jay Hunter. Go ahead, Colin. Yeah, you can also follow me at Teske Radio. I'm the host of the Good, the Bad, Teske podcast. And for the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking lots of Blue Jays baseball. A couple of debates we touched on tonight as well. What do we make of what the Jays will be like in 2018? Jose Bautista's future. If they have a legitimate chance at the wild card. Those are some of the topics we'll touch on this Saturday on the Good, the Bad, the Teske. I'm also going to be in Toronto over the next couple of weekends working for Sportsnet 590 Fan. And, yeah, we'll be touching on a lot of big topics like that as well as the Mayweather-McGregor fight coming up as well. So lots of interesting things happening over at the Good, the Bad, the Teske. Most definitely. A lot of exciting things on the horizon. I want to thank you, gentlemen. It's been a slice. You've been listening to the Jays Journal, Brendan Panikar, the Fan 590's Colin Teske, and the Sporting News' Ian Hunter. Thanks for joining the Jays Journal Podcast Roundtable, and I hope to have you all on very soon. Thanks so much, Ari. Thanks, Ari. Thanks, Ari. Thanks, Ari.